Good morning, everyone. Uh, glad you guys are here, whether you're in person or online or even watching this after the fact. Um, today, we are going to continue on in the book of First John, uh, continue on where Paul has left off last week. Um, just as a recap of kind of where we were at, um, Paul was talking about walking the path of light and how as we walk down the path, we still will stumble into shadows occasionally. And it's not that we've stumbled into shadows and deviated from that path, but we've stumbled and then we have a choice. We can either confess and repent or we can not and then stumble off the path entirely. The, um, I want us to keep that in mind as we go forward that the walking the path of light, walking in the footsteps of Christ does not require perfection. We're going to stumble but it's that we get back up and confess our sins and keep going. So today we're going to continue in 1 John, like I said. We're going to be in chapter 2, reading verses 7 through 11 as our main passage. Um, I have a variety of different passages of Scripture across the entire Bible, so I will try to give adequate heads up to where if you have an app or a Bible you can follow along, but if not, it'll be up there like always. Um, so before I actually get started, though, I want to open us in prayer. So if you'd bow your heads with me. Lord, we come for you this morning. I thank you for this day. I thank you for just allowing us to gather as your body, gather together to worship you and to study your word. Um, Lord, I ask that you will be with me this morning, helping me just to be filled with your spirit and just to speak your word and your word alone and not my own. God, we thank you and I pray that you just keep us whenever we leave this place. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so starting in 1 John chapter 2, again in verse 7, uh, John writes, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So in this short passage here, John continues the idea of walking in the light or walking in the darkness, walking in the footsteps of Christ and not walking in the footsteps of Christ. And if you want a really easy summation of what John is saying here, you can find that in verse 10. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. It's a really easy idea, right? That we're to love others. Um, but for us, I think the question really should be, what is love? Right? When we read this, what does it mean to love? Back in the in Greek, there's, if I remember right, three different words to describe love for different versions of it, essentially. But in the English language, we just have love. Now, that can be everything from, I love playing the drums. I love drinking Mountain Dew. But at the same time, I love my wife. I love this church. I love God. Those are not equal, are they? It can't be, but it's the same word used to describe all of it. So in our language, it's such a vast range of emotions and actions and feelings 
that the question as we read this should be, what is love? What does John mean when he says love? Now, we could go into the Greek and look at what word he uses here and how it's used historically and throughout the Bible, um, but I don't even think we need to go that far. I think we can take this passage, because John did write this entire thing as opposed to just saying, love each other from John, amen, and send it off. He doesn't do that. Instead, he gives us all of this, which points us to what he means when he says to love your brother or love your sister, your sibling in Christ. So let's start again at the first of it. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. So let's start with what is this old commandment? And to do that, we're going to go back to a book that I know we've all read cover to cover and memorized, Leviticus. Um, and that was sarcasm for anyone who didn't catch. Um, Leviticus chapter 19, uh, we're going to read verses 17 and 18. And it says, You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So the book of Leviticus is a literal book of do's and don'ts. It's just a list of commandments that God gave the Israelites to help keep them free of sin, keep them in a right relation with God. And within here, we have that very plain commandment of, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This commandment is one of the oldest ones. Um, in fact, it is one of the 10 given to Moses on the Mount when he met with God. One of the 10 of the first commandments given to the people of Israel. Now you could go back further and say that the commandment to Abraham to circumcise his sons and for their sons to circumcise their sons, so on and so forth, was the first commandment. Or even go back to Adam and Eve and that they shouldn't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the first commandment. But the first commandments given to God's chosen people were those 10 given to Moses. And the one of love your neighbors yourself was among them. So when John says he is giving them an old commandment, one they have heard from the beginning, they've literally heard it from the beginning of Israel. From the moment Israel got out of captivity from Egypt and God gave them these commandments, they had this command to love their neighbor as themselves. Now, the command of love your neighbor as yourself is one that is referenced again by Jesus and kind of expanded on in the importance of it. So if we go in the book of Matthew and we go to chapter 22, uh, let's read verses 30 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he, being Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands, commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That last verse, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets, that's a, that is a profound thing for the Israelites. The law and the prophets, the law being the first five books of our Old Testament, the Torah, as the Jews refer to it as, and the prophets being Isaiah to the end of the Old Testament, um, covering all the people that God had sent to the Israelites to help correct them and get them in a right relation with God. All of this 
the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Israelites had spent so much time studying this, building out essentially official commentaries of, well, when the Bible says this, what that really means is this and this and this, and they had these massive checklists down to how many feet you could walk on the Sabbath. They spent so much time examining the law, trying to figure out how do we follow the law? How do we stay in right relation with God? That when Jesus says on these two things, all the law and the prophets are fulfilled, or to be verbatim, on these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. Jesus is saying that there's two things. You must love your God, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two things, you will be without sin. You will fulfill everything the law and the prophets has ever said about our relationship with God and how we are to live our lives. That is huge. It's telling these Pharisees and Sadducees that their entire, all this extra study they are doing, trying to understand the minute details of how to live their lives, it can be summed up in those two commandments, love. And you can even look in the book of Romans from the apostle Paul in chapter 13, eight through 10. Paul writes to the Romans, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So Paul says it a bit more bluntly. It is truly the fulfillment of the law. You have not sinned if you truly love God with all that we are and love our neighbor as ourself. So as John is writing, he's referring to this old commandment that we should love each other, love our neighbors as ourselves. But John, he then almost contradicts himself. If you look at verse 8, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him, being Jesus, and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So John is saying it's an old commandment, but at the same time, it's a new commandment. So what does what does that mean? That's contradictory, right? John's not overriding the commandment that God has already given the Israelites. What John's referring to, we can actually find in the gospel written by John. Um, if we go to the gospel of John, chapter 15, and we read verses 12 and 13. If I can find it myself. This is, this is Jesus speaking. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus, throughout his ministry, never said that, directly said that he didn't do away with the law, but he came to fulfill the law, right? So when Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, and we contrast that to you shall love your neighbor as yourself, we can see that what Jesus has done here is fulfilled that law. As we go through life and we try to love our neighbor as ourselves, that's something where we reflect on ourselves. We try to put ourselves in their shoes and we try to love them as we would want to be loved in that scenario. Jesus is taking that idea and making it perfect. He is saying, I no longer 
no longer look at yourself. I want you to look at me. You see, Jesus was the embodiment of perfect love, right? He was the only one to live a sinless life. And as we saw in Romans and from Jesus himself, to live without sin is to love God and to love people perfectly. So Jesus is the literal perfect embodiment of what it means to love others. So when Jesus says, you should love one another as I have loved you, Jesus is taking the only potential sinful part of that equation, us, out of it. We're no longer supposed to look at others and say, what would I want someone to do to myself in that situation? That's still a, well, that's still a good thing, and that's still a way of showing love. Jesus is saying, I want to take you one step further. Look at people, and how would I love them? And then you be that love to them. Love others as I have loved you. And Jesus goes on in that next verse, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Jesus is hinting at the cross here. Jesus is saying, as I have loved, even to the point of death, the point of the most miserable, torturous death of that age, you are to love others as I have loved you. That is a very tall order. To love those around us in the same way that Christ loves. To love even to the point of death, as Christ puts it, is an incredibly tall order. So as John is writing this, back in the letter of 1 John, he says, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing you, which is true in him, in Christ, and in you. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light, Christ, is already shining. Christ's love has entered the world. That light that John talks about throughout this letter, that we are supposed to walk in and be a part of, that light is Christ's love. And so John here is essentially giving us the foundation of what it means to walk in the light. What it means to walk in the light is to love each other as Christ has loved us, even unto the point of death. Now, I want to go back, back to the Gospel of John and just go like, what, two chapters back. We're going to go to chapter 13, and I want to read verse 34. Um, it's very similar. This is Jesus speaking again. And he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you, are also, you also are to love one another. It's uh, almost rephrasing of, the, of what he just says. But if we go one more verse into verse 35, Jesus continues, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus is very directly saying that love of the fellow Christian, love of your siblings in Christ, terminology I'm going to use here, that's how the world will know that we are the church. That's how the world will know that we have Christ, that we follow Christ, that we walk in the light of Christ. Throughout the gospel, Jesus refers to people as brothers and sisters. And throughout the New Testament, whether the author be Paul or whether it be John in this case, we see that they refer to each other as brothers and sisters. They refer to him as the family of Christ. The gathering of believers is not a group of acquaintances, per se, is not something that we just come to on Sunday morning and then leave. 
What John is saying here, if we continue on verse 9 of 1 John, he says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. John specifically is calling out brother, specifically calling out our fellow believers. What John is saying and what Jesus said back in the Gospel of John is very much that it starts with the church. It starts here. It starts with the way that we treat one another. If we treat one another at arm's range, as acquaintances, as maybe distant friends, then we've treated each other no different than the rest of the world, right? But John and Jesus are both calling for us to treat the fellow believers, to love them as Christ has loved us, to love each other as a family first. In doing that, we become something different, right? We show each other love in a way that's different to the world. Jesus described his followers as the salt of the earth or a city on a hill. He described his believers, his disciples, as people that would be different within the earth. They would add a spark of something, something desirable to the earth. They would be that city on the hill that people aspired to, that people would look to and say, I want to go there. I want to be like them. And what Jesus is saying, what John has said here in his letter, is that if we are ever to get to that point, to be that, to walk in the light in that manner, we must love as Christ has loved us. And that starts with the way that we love each other. Going into the book of Matthew here, um, just to give an example of how important that idea was to Jesus. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, if I can flip to it myself, um, verses 46 to 50. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my brother, or who is my mother, and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus put the church honestly on a higher footing than his own family. That the fellow believers, his disciples, were the most important group of people in his life. The most important group of people that he should spend his time with, that he should love. Even more so than his mother and his brothers that were outside the door asking to speak to him. So, when we read 1 John, and we see that John says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness, or whoever loves his brother and abides in the light, the way that we love one another, the way that we treat the family of believers, again, not as an arm's reach acquaintance, but as truly a family, that is how we take that first step and walk in the light, make sure we are walking the steps of Christ. And from that point, the body of believers can act as a whole unit. 
acting as a whole unit, we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus, taking that same love that we have for one another out into the world and showing it to them, bringing people into the body of believers, into this family of Christ, so to speak. And that, that is what John is hinting at here. That is what John's purpose is here. That whoever loves his brother, his sister, his fellow believer, abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. We're able to walk in the light. It's keeping out of the darkness, avoiding the shadows as much as possible, and we're able to truly be the hands and feet of Jesus on earth. And as John says, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. If we cannot love our fellow believers, how are we supposed to love the world outside? Because the world outside will just see hypocrites. So as John says, if we can't even love our brothers and sisters, are we even walking in the footsteps of Christ, or have we deviated from the path entirely? John is clear that if we cannot love our brothers and sisters in Christ, we have deviated from the path and are walking in darkness. And we need Jesus to bring us back to that path, back to the point where we love as Christ has loved us. So, I've kind of gone over the idea of we're to love as Christ has loved. And the only way we can truly do that is by studying the gospel, studying the way that Christ interacted in every situation. You go through the gospels, um, thinking back to when we did a study of all the miracles of Christ at the gathering, you get to see all these different ways that Christ interacts, all these different ways that Christ shows love. And there is a huge amount there for us to try and remember day in and day out, right? That's a near impossible amount of information to look at and be like, okay, I'm in this situation. How would Christ act in this situation? That's really, I don't think any of us are going to be anywhere close to perfect on that. But just as God did for the Israelites, through the writers of the New Testament, God has given us a groundwork, a framework, a very surface level, how does a Christian love? So to answer the question of what is love, Jesus is love. And we, as Christians, need to imitate Christ in the way he loves, first to each other, then as a body, as the church, the family of believers, to the world. And the way that we love, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you've ever been to a Christian wedding, I can almost guarantee you've heard this passage. But... It is not exclusively for how someone loves a spouse. This is the very surface level, the very bare minimum of how Christ loves. This is a starting point for a Christian on how do I imitate Christ's love. And so what I want to do is I want to just read this passage, just a small portion of it, if I can figure out which marker it is. There it is. Um, and what I want us to do is I want us to just reflect on Christ. As I read this, there's numerous attributes in here. And just focus on them. Think about Christ. Because each and every one of these, Christ will exemplify perfectly. 
And we can think of ways that Christ has exemplified them perfectly. So, I'm going to ask that the band come up. Um, and as they make their way up, I'm going to give. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask that all of us stand as I read this, and then we're going to go into worship. And I simply ask that you meditate, you think on these attributes, and you reflect them to Christ, and then reflect them back onto your own lives. So, if you'd pray with me, Lord, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you for the love that Christ has shown us, the love to even lay down his life for us when we don't deserve it, lay down his life for us and call us friends, call us brothers and sisters, co-heirs to everything that you've given him. And Lord, as we go throughout the rest of this service, God, I ask that you lay on each and every one of our hearts, Christ, I ask that you lay on each and every one of us the love that Christ has. God, give us those examples. Show us how our lives can better reflect who Christ is, who Christ was, and help us to live as Christ did, to love as Christ has loved us. God, I ask for that conviction on my own heart, on every heart here. And Lord, I ask that you will just keep us in that conviction, keep us in that mindset that this church could truly be the hands and feet of Jesus, the family of believers, blessed by you and led by you. Lord, I thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as I read this passage, if you guys would stand. And again, I just want you to think on Christ. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things, even across. Love never ends. Verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. I'll be up here if you want to pray about anything. We have a stage that can be used as an altar. We have an empty front row that can be used as an altar. Think about Christ. Reflect on the love that Christ has shown us, shown you, shown me, and reflect that on your life and that every situation we can truly love as Christ has loved us.